Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025 The Game. We are live today from Oktoberfest out here at the Bicentennial Mall where where admission is free all weekend long. Come on out. You can upgrade to the VIP. You get the app, the uh, Oktoberfest, the Nashville Oktoberfest app, which has a map and a schedule of events. You can purchase beer tokens. Come on out. Get VIP access where they've got the ceramic anniversary stein, two beer tokens, all-you-can-eat buffet, and much, much more. Oktoberfest, it's not just a beer festival. German beer and authentic German food and food trucks. And we've got all the, the ladies and the German wear and the guys and the leader who's in or whatever it's called. So, Floyd, <laughs> uh, it's a lot of fun out here in October. It is. It really is. A lot of activity. Fireball Hot Take Friday, which means, and I think this is always important, Fireball Hot Take Friday, 5 o'clock, 3 up, 3 down. Floyd's three things, three things he wants to see, three things he does not want to see on Sunday against the Denver Broncos. So, GM, without further ado, let's get to your three things, the three things you want to see on Sunday against Denver. Number one. Number one for me would be continuing the outstanding scoring defense. And we have done a real, considering some of the stumbles we've had on offense and some of the field position issues we've we've had, uh, I think this scoring defense has really, really been good. So, I think we have to, you know, you hold a team to 14 points in the NFL, you expect to win. And so I would just continue that. And and if we hold every team to 14 throughout the season and we don't win a bunch of those, then something's seriously wrong. Do you believe this defense is an elite defense? I don't think it's elite yet. I think it's the more the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the closer it gets, though. I mean, they do Especially allow- with what they're you know, dealing with across the board. And the great part about this defense, you don't hear anybody griping about it. You don't hear anybody, you know, pointing fingers. You don't have anybody. It's, hey, we're going to go out here and do our job. The one thing that they've got to not do, though, is allow a long run at the end of the game. They've been doing that too many times the last couple of weeks. That's got to stop. Yeah. The, the I mean, this game, you know, it didn't matter. And it really didn't matter the game it, it, one of the games, the 55-yarder. The what game was that? Jacksonville? No, the 55-yarder was Indy where it did matter. Yeah, Indy. That's the one that mattered. The rest of them really didn't matter much, you know, one way or the other. That takes us to the second thing you want to Number say. two. Number two, offense, no turnovers, which we have been outstanding at. Uh, again, if there's anything, and, and this is a shame because we we often talk about the things that truly are important in winning and losing in the NFL and not turning the ball over is the absolute number one indicator. If you look year after year at the end of the season at the plus-minus ratio on turnovers, the teams that are among the top two or three in pluses, that is, you know, a lot of takeaways, no turnovers, are always going to make the playoffs, and the teams that are at the bottom seldom going to make the playoffs. So I have a couple of thoughts on that. My number one is Arthur Smith's got to be embarrassed if they keep turn, if they keep not turning the football over and not winning and not scoring points. Eventually, he's got to be embarrassed by that, which is a good thing to not turn the ball over. But if you're not winning because of it, that is is depressing. And number two, 
and that would be that I think they're doing I think that they're trying to keep themselves from turning the ball over so at least they're accomplishing one of their goals on offense <laughs> if nothing else and the third thing number 3 number 3 for me is uh, we have got to get help from our special teams I mean there are some teams that you've been with and you played with and I think I thought for a minute maybe even this team where special teams help wasn't going to be essential. I was wrong. We need special teams help. Special teams needs to come up with some plays. I don't need special teams help as much as I need the kicker to make kicks. Which you know, I mean that's not teams. that's not help. That's just doing your job. Yeah, I think I think the I don't need my point is punts that, blocked and stuff like that. I'm not asking for that right now. I mean, my point is that, and and it, that's a great example. You know, New England has blocked their second punt in two weeks, and it's helped, it it almost directly won the game for them against Buffalo, and it certainly helped last night. I mean, I can't even remember the last time we blocked a punt. I can't remember the last time we blocked a kick. You know, but but the point being, we have got to manufacture plays on special teams to help our offense score points. So I, I go back to my biscuit and gravy theory. That is, sometimes there's the biscuit and then anything else is gravy. The positive plays from special teams, in my opinion, are the gravy. But being able to field punts and not run 10 yards backward is the biscuit. Making 35-yard field goals is the biscuit. You're talking about biscuits and gravy. I right now will settle for the biscuit, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but That's how bad the, the special teams My point is we got to have the gravy. If we don't have the gravy, then, I mean, it's going to cost you another couple games along the line. Well, why don't we worry about getting the biscuit first before we worry about well, having the this is, this, yeah, I'm not worried about the biscuit. We'll get it. I mean, it's already Except for the kickers. killed you. No, I'm not worried. The kickers, I, I'm not Killed Talking you last week. All. Killed you, Jacksonville. I don't I mean, think. Killed I, you, Indy. I don't think that the uh, the kicker. Once you lost your kicker, the guy you counted on, whoever you bring in, is going to be an issue at some point in time. Just depending on how long he has to kick. And uh, and Santos was fine for whatever it was, a week or One two, game. whatever it was. Then he blew the end. And game. then you know, then you get to a point where he he hurt you in another game and then you get to a point where he costs you a game so you know i mean it's it's always the same with kickers and and if this guy has to kick for you know four weeks i mean he's going to end up doing the same thing he'll double doing one three down number one three down for me and i mentioned this early we have got got to be able to convert some third downs. Third downs again. Third downs. We've had 35 of 65 over third and eight and converted six. Count them. Six. We've had, th- we've got the other 30 or whatever the number is, the remaining number of the 65, we've converted 60%. So that goes to show you people say, well, you know, third and I mean, the difference between converting on third and seven and third and nine, we just talked about. You get down to where you're saying, okay, the difference between converting third and two and third and four is just as dramatic. 
I mean, it just gets, and the closer you get, the smaller you have to convert, the better your chances are, the much, much, much more likely you are to convert it. So we have got to eliminate all the third and eight pluses. Number two. Number two. Second thing is we've got to improve pass protection, and this is no secret to anybody. Uh, but the bottom line is that, and and I think, I mean, this is, I have nothing to base this on, but I think that we'll be better in pass protection this week. I really do. I guess probably because you can't get a whole lot worse. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll be better, and, and it should make a difference. But uh, But we have got to pick up the pace with our pass protection. How much of that is strictly the offensive line's fault? How much of that is the scheme's fault? Well, the scheme, I mean, the scheme isn't really the issue on any of this from the standpoint that, you know, in every scheme, you've got somebody assigned to pick up everybody. You know, if that guy blitzes, you've got somebody assigned to pick him up. This guy blitzes, you've got somebody there. When it comes to just the, a four-man rush or, or a five-man rush, you've got five to pick up five. And so, you know, that's where you've got to be able on a one-on-one situation win some of those. And the third and final thing you don't want to see Sunday. Number three. No long balls. Flacco is a really, really good long ball passer. And I think he's had a little bit of success against us throwing the ball downfield. And I cannot believe that they're not going to come out and try it again. So we have got to play off the ball, be smart, don't give them a chance to to convert any long balls. And that includes penalties, you know, penalties on long balls. Um, So we've we've got to eliminate that part of the passing game so that as they're going through the passing game, if they're, you know, if they're gaining any any yardage, it's going to be three, four, five yards at a time, not, you know, 40 and 40 and touchdown. Floyd's three things. By the way, I'm not worried about the deep ball. How many deep balls have been hit on the Titans so far this year? Uh, I don't know. So if they haven't been hitting the deep ball on them this year, what makes you think they'll hit the deep ball on them? this week because that's what he does that is what he does yes in fact he did win a playoff game on a hail mary throw where the guy from denver didn't go back far enough when he was at baltimore yeah. 615 does the broncos game if you're a fan and this is kind of a question for the fans we'll get to next does the broncos game represent more than just one game on the schedule to get you back to three and three We'll discuss next. Jared and the GM live from Oktoberfest. Let me tell you about Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. I absolutely love the fact that I use Hiller at my home. Why? Because anytime there's an issue, and I actually need to go to happyhiller.com online and schedule an appointment uh, to fix something new in my home. But anytime that Hiller comes to my home, they make it incredibly simple. I go to happyhiller.com. I schedule the appointment. They give me a window. They're there inside the window, and they're experts take care of business for me then they give me a great price and why because hiller believes in true transparency pricing you're not getting any special deal from hiller but at the same time you're not going to get slammed with a special rate or flat fees or anything of the like 
The other guys love to do it. Not Hiller. That's why I use Hiller in my new home, and you should use Hiller at your home and enjoy it as well. I don't even know why I'm saying new. I've had this home for over a year now. I love it, and I love every time Hiller has to come out, which is not very often because every time there's something wrong, they fix it perfectly. That's Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical, proud supporters of the Nashville Predators and the Tennessee Volunteers. Jared and the GM on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. Coming off a frustrating game on Sunday, how important is it to kind of keep things positive, to keep things optimistic, and how do you do that uh, during the course of the practice week? Well, I think just being grateful. I think every opportunity that you have to walk in this building, um, it's a privilege. And, you know, no matter what, wins, losses, you know, you just got to keep your head up high and and, um, move on. You know, I think our guys do a great job of flushing and um, getting ready for the next game. And um, I don't feel like there's any sort of uh, negativity. And guys, just got to continue to to work. Marcus, how do you do it? Well, you got to stay positive no matter what. Well, that's going to be hard to stay positive if you lose to the Denver Broncos on Sunday. And Floyd, I know that it's just one game. But I wonder if this Denver game represents more than one game from this standpoint. If this team is ever going to get on a roll this year, it feels like this is the chunk of the schedule where they got to get it done. Between now and November 10th against Kansas City, every game on the schedule, while there are varying degrees of how hard each game may be, every game seems somewhat winnable. Whether it's the Chargers next week, Carolina, Tampa Bay, whatever, until you get to the Chiefs, every game feels like the Titans will have a legit shot to win. But if they lose to Denver after losing to Buffalo, It'll feel like the ability for this team to get on a roll and to find themselves and push themselves forward to be the good to great team that they were pumping themselves up to be. It'll kind of feel like it's lost, and it'll feel a lot like last year where they were really rushing at the end to try to get to 500 or try to get to 9-7 and seven and 10-6. and six. Yeah, I mean, we just don't know any of that. You know, that's the problem. It's all speculation right now. I mean, we, we didn't think, you know, there were points in time last year where we wouldn't have said, well, if we can win the last game, we're going to be in the playoffs. I mean, and there were points in time where we said, hey, you know what, if we win this game, we're going to be in the playoffs. And so, I mean, it, it, that's what, you know, I, I say the same thing, it seems like, every day. But this is the NFL. That's the way it works. Well, what the Titans did, this was my thing, is what the Titans did last year was they dug themselves a hole where they had to win the last five games in order to make the playoffs. They went into the last five games with six losses. So they were sitting there through 11 games at five and six. And it was, okay, you have to win the next five in order to make the playoffs. But those five looked to all be winnable. You had the Jets, you had the Jags who stunk, you had the Giants who stunk. The Redskins who stunk, and then you got the Colts, which you knew was going to be tough. Now you didn't know your quarterback was going to get hurt. But you knew the Colts were going to be tough. But you knew then you had to win six in a row. I mean, five in a row. I just think if you go on your roll now, you avoid putting yourself in the no margin for error the entire last month of the season. And right now, it looks like they're on the same path to be five and six or whatever it is where you got to win out in order to try to make the playoffs. And this team has not demonstrated to be good enough to be able to pull something like that off. And I think that's going to be true with every team. I mean, the Patriots I mean, can think, roll off a bunch no, of wins. I mean, they're keeping our, themselves in our out division, of division, I'm talking about. 
every team in our division is doing the same, including Jacksonville. Do you think the Texans are going to put themselves in a hole to where they have to win six in a row? I'm saying who, whoever is in contention will be saying to themselves, we've got to win the next X number in a row to get to, to get to the playoffs. I mean, that's the way it is every year. And I don't care if your name's Indy. I don't care if your name's Houston. I don't care if your name is Nashville. I mean, it's going to, it's, it's the same for every team. Now, are they, can, can New England run away with it? Sure. Yeah, New England could get in the playoffs, you know, with with maybe two or three games left. I don't know that, but maybe. Um, they, they did last year, but nobody else. I mean, that's, you know, you get down to the week, that the week 15 is generally where you will see teams start to pluck playoffs out. And they'll say, somebody will go, if we win this week, we're in. You're talking about 15 okay. of 17 or 15 of 16? 15 of 16. And and then you're going to have a whole other group that will make it in week 16. But you're not going to have, I mean, half the league is not going to have the the playoffs uh, locked by, you know, game 12. No, but, no, like, losing this game on top of That's not going to happen. But, like, take Buffalo, for example. Let's say the Titans can't win the South. And they're fighting for a wild card spot. Like I don't think Buffalo's four and one right now. I don't think Buffalo's going to be thirteen and three this year. Buffalo is probably a nine, eight, nine, ten win team, right? I don't. I don't know. Even though they're four and one, but they, I mean, come on, they look like to be a nine, nine win. They do not look like a thirteen win team. Well, they don't look like a thirteen team win, but they don't need to win thirteen. Well, but just follow me. They're not a thirteen win team. So let's say they win nine games, and you win nine games, and somebody else wins nine games. Well, guess what starts to come into the picture? AFC record. So you've lost AFC games. You've lost three AFC games, including two at home. Like, that's a big deal. You've lost a direct tiebreaker with Buffalo. Buffalo has given themselves a cushion to start the year at 4-1. and one. So they can hit a little bit of a rough patch at some point and be okay, like you did a couple years ago when you lost to Arizona-San Francisco. I think we said that last year when we were 3-1. and one. Did they gave themselves a cushion? Yes. Well, they went and they lost three games in a row. They, so they did, did didn't right they? <laughs> and then, they, and then we felt good. And then we felt good about them when they beat Dallas and New England. And then they went and they got crushed by Indy and the Texans, and we said, said, day. And that's why this team's got to get on a roll, because the team last year never got on a roll. And if they had gotten on a roll, they would have made the playoffs, and we all expect this team to make the playoffs. They got all these teams that you talk about all end up doing the same stuff, which is they're going to, if they're going to get on a roll and win three games, they're probably going to get on a, 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 a losing streak and lose a couple of games. I mean, it's because they're they're uh, <laughs> they're middle of the pack teams. Middle of the pack teams do the same stuff. Now Buffalo's got a fourth place schedule, I believe, or a third place schedule, or something like that. Buffalo's got a much easier schedule than you do, and you've got to play the NFC South. So you've got Drew Brees, and your division is better than Buffalo because you don't get Miami and the Jets twice. So all these other AFC teams, man, like all of this stuff counts. And so if they can't win this game, they can't get on a roll. If they can't get on a roll, they may dig themselves a hole they can't get out of. 
And, and if I, they can't get, if they can't win games, yeah, they're going to dig a hole they can't get out of. I think the callers, and I was listening to the I midday mean, show today. I think they're frustrated of nine and seven. I'm just hopeful it's not six and ten. I'm worried if you lose this game, you might be staring six and ten down the barrel. We talked about this yesterday. It's interesting how the the fans that are tired of nine and seven were the same fans that were tired of two wins and three wins. Oh, they won nine and seven in two thousand six. Yeah, that was what a great season. It was really, I mean, it's and and we forget too soon. You know, there was a long time there where we couldn't win nine games. Couldn't win nine games in three years. So that's not true. I don't know. I just threw it out. I want to say they it used to be won, close. They won were, five. No. Would so they think, win? Would they win the year I before? I think. I think Ian, back me up. I think they won nine games in 2011, which was Munchak's first year. Then they won six games, seven games. Munchak's out. Two games, three games, nine games with Malarkey in his first full year. Full year. I think what's funny is is the way that the Vrabel train goes, and I don't know which way it's growing, one way or another. But your feelings towards Mike Malarkey as a fan base will depend solely upon how Vrabel does. Like, if Vrabel crashes this baby, everybody will be yelling and screaming, saying, we had a nine-win playoff coach, and we fired him to go 5-11. and 11. If Vrabel takes you to the Super Bowl, you'll say, see, we knew we had to raise the bar from Malarkey. So you're, I'm talking about the fans. Their feelings on Malarkey will be judged solely upon how Vrabel does. And I don't know. That's why you don't listen to the fans. Because if you listen to the fans, pretty soon you'll be sitting with them. Exactly right. And if this train crashes soon, pretty soon they might be sitting with them. 615-737-1025, Jared of the GM. By the way, there is a, a new draft target a lot of Titans fans in October are already talking about. And why one draft analyst says this may be his biggest in, uh, his biggest performance yet tomorrow. We'll get to that next on what should be a great day at college football and a great game in college football. All of that next, live from Oktoberfest. Again, get that app, the National Oktoberfest app. Attendance is free all weekend long here at the Bicentennial Mall. It's Jared and the GM on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. Let me tell you about Fireball. Everybody knows how great Fireball cinnamon whiskey is. It goes down so smooth and it tastes so great. Nothing is as good as a nice Fireball shot. Fireball cinnamon whiskey. It is the best. Ignite the night. Be sure to do so responsibly this weekend. Ignite the night. Please be 21 years or older to enjoy. It's Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025, the game and streaming on the Game National app. I'm interested in your assessment of Joe Burrow as well. You've had a chance to see him a little bit, and uh, he, he is. Uh, what's different about him this year versus last year? No, it's a whole different scheme, as everyone knows, and uh, they're utilizing their receivers that they've got there. Uh, in the past, they've had some, some great receivers at LSU, but they they never saw many balls coming their way. So obviously, they didn't uh, you know make any break any scoring records or anything like that the way they've done this year. Uh, but obviously, the addition of Joe Brady and uh, opening up the offense and Burrow is very capable. I think he said he sort of ran that style of offense in high school or wherever. Uh, but he's a beautiful passer, and uh, it's going to be. LSU offense against the Florida defense. Our guys can play some defense. I think you saw that in the Auburn game, uh, Paul. So I think that's a real interesting matchup right there. LSU Florida tomorrow night GM appointment viewing, I have to assume. Uh, oh, yeah. That's going to be an exciting game. And Big time game. Dane Brugler of The Athletic 
has a piece up. Now, he's like their draft guy. Dane Brugler of The Athletic has a column that says, What NFL scouts will be watching. Prove it Saturday for LSU quarterback and first-round hopeful Joe Burrow. He writes, LSU senior Joe Burrow has put himself in the early-round NFL discussion with his outstanding play over the first five games of 2019. However, the caliber of competition hasn't necessarily been there so far. Talking about LSU, he goes on to say that this against Florida's defense, and you just heard Spurrier right there tell Paul Feinbaum, Paul, we got some defense now. And I think I agree with Spurrier. They got some defense at Florida. This will be the first real prove-it test for Joe Burrow if he wants to prove that he's possibly a first-round quarterback. So before we get to the LSU-Florida game and our thoughts on that, as a talent-evaluating guy, how much will you put into Burrow's performance in terms of what kind of draft stock he could have, considering that Florida does have a really good defense? Off of one game? Not off of one game, but you I mean you saw him play Texas, but you haven't seen him play a great defense. Now you're gonna see him play a great defense. I feel like for Burrow it's like if you play well against Florida, good, then you get Auburn who has a better defense. Then if you do that, then you get Alabama. So if you can pass all three tests, then you're probably a first round pick. Well, I, I generally speaking what happens is you go in, you watch player X do whatever it is he does. And generally speaking, are not that particular as to who he's playing against. So you go through and you evaluate him on his skill set. Then, as you finish it up, you know, you're working through all the film. If, in fact, he plays a really good game or a really bad game against a particular team that you know is really, really good, then you'll make a note of that. You know, so that everybody will know, oh, yeah, remember what he did against Florida or whomever. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, if, if you've watched him for eight games and Florida is the only game that he wasn't a first rounder, then, you know, you probably are going to say, hey, this is a first round kid. So I just think that Burrow, I think a lot of Titans fans are interested in Burrow because they think if they think if they if Mariota proves to not be the guy, Burrow is a guy the Titans will be able to draft in the first round. You won't be able to draft Tua, and you probably won't be able to draft Justin Herbert from Oregon. So you would think, okay, could they be in the Tua or Fromm sweepstakes? From what you've seen so far between the two guys, Burrow and Fromm, who do you like more? And do you think if the Titans are picking around 15 to 18, where they've been picking with their 9-7 and seven records, do you think they'll be able to land a, a, a guy like Burrow in the draft? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, that's we're, we're way too early for all that. Haskins went 15 but, last year. Not but that, I don't know if, you're, if you're a legitimate first-round quarterback, you'll go before 15. You know, you're going to go top 10 or so if you're a legitimate guy. Now, if you aren't, you know, if you're suspect or if, if there are a lot of issues, then, you know, no. But... I don't see, you know, if, I mean, what he's done his prior years will be the biggest issues against him. And, uh, you know, you've got to decide if, in fact, that's something that's going to take him down a little bit or not. But, I mean, if you've watched him enough that you can come out and say, yeah, this guy is a, a I think, he, you know, and the, I've watched him play 12 games, 11 of the games, he's a first-rounder, then he'll be a first-rounder. How do you feel about LSU Florida, the matchup? 
Big time. I, I think I think whoever that was that was just talking was Spurrier. right. I think Spurrier. I think the Florida offensive front especially will will put pressure on him, and we'll get a chance to see what he's like, you know, under pressure, which I think will be really really important. Um, that being said, I mean what he's doing with that group of receivers, I mean he's they're pretty good. They're they're really really good if they protect him and he can throw the ball, then LSU will come out with a win. So I'm more worried about the other side. Like, that's LSU's defense, which hasn't been great. I mean, they allowed 30 to Vandy, and they let Texas, you know, really move the ball well. LSU's defense versus Florida's eh, offense. You know, Florida's offense is, you know, whereas LSU. You have to keep in mind, if you're scoring 60, the way that LSU did against Vandy, your defense is only getting about 30 seconds of rest, mm-hmm. and then it's a touchdown. And consequently, your defense is playing the entire game exhausted. Now, if you can, you know, if you can, if the offense can slow it down a little bit still, and, and if you're playing a good defense, if you're playing Florida, I mean, they're not going to be able to score every 30 seconds. But they just need to be able to score, which I think they'll be able to do. Okay. So, so then the other game here is, and i got to tell you this, as a fan, you know, Fox decided instead of trying to put their best games at 2.30 up against CBS's SEC game, or even at night against the other games, ABC's usually got a pretty good game. ESPN, for example, has Florida LSU this year. Instead of trying to go up against them, they've decided that Fox is going to take the 11 a.m. window. They want the first game every day to be the big game. And this week they get Texas-Oklahoma, the Red River Showdown, which I think is so stupid. I don't know why we can't call it the Red River Shootout. But the Red River Shootout, Texas versus Oklahoma, to me this is like the first and maybe the only real test Oklahoma gets the entire season is Texas. Because Big 12 stinks. Yeah, Big 12 is Big 12. I mean, it's kind of been the same all the way through. You're getting a few. You're getting Iowa State who, you know, jump up there and play pretty good. But by the same token, you get Okie State that falls off the face of the map. And, you know, they just go back and forth, back and forth. But uh, Texas, Oklahoma, do you think Texas has a shot? Oh, sure. They got a shot. Anytime, anytime you play in that game, that, that game is wild now. If you've never been to that game, that game is above and beyond. I mean, there are very, very uh, prominent lines drawn in the sand and through the stadium and in the beer lines and every place else. I mean, it is uh, it is Civil War-type atmosphere. A lot of fun, but, man, oh, man, they take it seriously. How much of the gap do you think there is between Texas and Oklahoma? Because I have not made up my mind on Oklahoma yet. I watch Oklahoma light people up, and I'm like, they're probably like a national championship contender. But then I think to myself, well, they're playing Texas Tech. Texas, I think, showed you they can compete with good teams. They just can't beat good teams with the way they played LSU. So this does represent, in my opinion, like at least a bona fide decent game for for Oklahoma. And it's probably the only decent game they're going to get the whole year. Well, Texas beat them last year. And then Oklahoma beat them in the championship game. So it's not like... You know, it would be unusual if Texas won this game. I know, but when Texas won, it was proof to me that Oklahoma wasn't really a title contender. 
Like, they could make the playoffs, but they would have had no shot against Alabama, which they didn't. And they would have had no shot against Clemson last year. I mean, right now, I think Oklahoma's probably better than Clemson. But Clemson's for sure going to make the playoff. And I can't say that about Oklahoma if they lose to Texas. Right. Other big games of the weekend. Uh, Alabama A&M, who cares? Alabama A&M. That's the C- oh the Aggie game. CBS CBS went with that over Florida LSU. Alabama, I know, but seriously, over LSU, Florida undefeated LSU, undefeated Florida, and it's in Kyle. Yeah, but like, They're what big. crack is CBS smoking that they don't want to get undefeated LSU? Um, let's see, Michigan State, Wisconsin, no, thank you. Florida, Clemson, uh, Florida State, Clemson, excuse me, no, thank you. Ah, oh, Louisville, Wake that Forest, not be- big again. Um, yeah, the uh, and then there's the Tennessee, Florida, the Florida Mississippi State, State. The Florida State game is going to be a good. That'd be the best game in the ACC. No, Clemson will kill them. Well, that, like I said, that'll be the best game in the ACC. Won't be better way for <laughs> And then Tennessee versus Mississippi State. Floyd, the Vols may be able to salvage the season if they win this week at Mississippi State or against Mississippi State. Can they? It'll be tough. I mean, they're going to be playing that rookie Mississippi State's not very good, though. They're going to be playing that freshman quarterback. We don't know what he's going to do, but Alabama's, I mean, uh, Tennessee's proven to me that they struggle to to play an entire game. So, And is that the coach's fault or the player's fault? I'd or be both? worried. It'd be everybody's fault. You can blame whoever you want. Well, you'll never blame that coach. So even though that coach, he stinks. Pruitt sucks. He sucks. He sucks. They, hey, he's the fans' coach, though. And when you decide to, to hire a coach based upon what the fans say, that's what you end up with. Six-pack picks. We'll make our picks on all the big games throughout the weekend. That's coming up next here on Jared and the GM, live from Oktoberfest. And Floyd and I and Dave all have our Authentically American on. That's right, Authentically American. If you want to be proud of where your clothes are made from or where your business apparel is made from, it's simple. Go to AuthenticallyAmerican.us. You can order right there for yourself. You can also contact Authentically American to get a custom order for your business like we did. You can also check out the brand new sweat ink line which of course is their new workout performance gear army football uses it you sweat through to see the secret message you would see my instagram at the jared stillman see the latest post for that one and i'm giving you all a bonus if you want 20 percent off from my friends at authentically american 20 percent off your whole order big or small use promo code jared that's my name jared j-a-r-e-d my name jared at checkout for a 20 percent off promo code That's right. So whatever, maybe you just want new polos, and instead of going to the store and buying things made in Vietnam, you want made in the USA great polos with the moisture-wicking fabric, moisture-wicking fabric, the no-roll American collar, all made in the USA. AuthenticallyAmerican.us. I just got a. I'm getting a jacket from Authentically American. I absolutely love all of their collection, and you will too. Authentically American. Dot us and again promo code Jared twenty percent off. Jared the GM at ESPN one zero two five the game. Jared the GM live out at the Oktoberfest again. They will be here. We are. Uh, they will be out here all weekend long. Admission is free. National Oktoberfest. 
Com. It is going to be a blast for all the people out here. They got the dancing going on. They got the tent, so don't worry about the rain. It has been a whale of a time out here at Oktoberfest Floyd. Meanwhile, we were trying to figure out who the Sunday night football game is this week. You know, and I, ew. Steelers Chargers. Yeah, that's a rough one. Ew. That's the Sunday night football game? That's ew. A good game. They no, they got a great Steelers Chargers game last year when they played, and uh, it was a duel between Rivers and Roethlisberger. Unfortunately, Roethlisberger, you know, not there anymore. Gross. No, thank you, Steelers. I don't Chargers. even know who Ew. the Steelers quarterback is right now. Uh, it's uh, Hoskins or Hodges or something. Hodges, like that. yeah, something like that. My buddy Mike's a huge Steelers fan, and his, and when the Titans played the Steelers in the preseason, he was all excited about Hodges. Was like, watch this guy, watch this guy. And so now he's getting a shot. He's like, watch this guy. He's getting a shot. Watch this guy. Like, and now in hindsight, Mikey, I'm probably going to have to pass on watching Hodges. Maybe footballed out by that point. But it's time for Six Pack Picks on Jared and the GM. Ian, tell us how we did last week. Last week, let's see. Floyd got Michigan correct, Ole Miss correct, and the Texans correct. Um, Jared, you got Ole Miss correct, the Texans correct, and the Bills correct. You both missed the, the Bills. You both both missed the Cowboys, both missed Auburn, and then Jared, you missed Iowa. Iowa so let me down. So let me down. So what are our season so totals? Three so and three last week, each of you, and you are still both at sixteen and twenty two. We are even on the season. Mm-mm-mm. This is my weekend to pull ahead. So Ian, let's do it. All right, we will start in college. We will start with the Red River, whatever you called it now. Um, I guess it's called the showdown. The now. showdown. Shootout Excuse me. Not okay, so yes. Showdown. Eleven a.m. at the Cotton Bowl on Fox, Oklahoma versus Texas, and Oklahoma is minus ten and a half. Floyd, you get to pick who goes first. Go ahead. I will take the Sooners. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think the Sooners are a championship contender. I think Texas is, you know, short of that. And I, I think it'll be a fun game to watch. And even though I didn't like Jalen Hurts pre-Lincoln Riley, I can't help but like Jalen Hurts now. I'm taking the Sooners. I'm taking Oklahoma, too. I, I don't think Texas has got the firepower to hang in there. Why'd you chuckle so they much? Don't, because you, you're always talking about Texas this, Texas that. When it comes to picking games, you never, ever pick them. I picked them against so LSU. I, I, think, uh, I, I think Oklahoma is just going to be too good. Oklahoma's secondary is a little bit suspect, and as we know, Jalen Hurds is playing lights out right now. So, uh, so I think that'll be. I think he'll have a an okay day. All right, that brings us to Mississippi State going to Knoxville, taking on the Vols. SEC Network, eleven a.m. in Mississippi State is minus six and a half. Jared, I'll take State. I think the Vols suck. And because of that, I think that Tennessee may keep it close for a half. But Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss, I mean, Mississippi State's not good, but they're not bad, and the Vols are bad. So with that, I'll take Mississippi State, and I feel very comfortable in doing so. I'm going to do the same thing. I, I think, uh, you know, Tennessee's going to play that freshman quarterback again, and, and I know what they're hoping. Um, but I think that the second half of the Georgia game last week, gave you a little bit of an indication that 
you know, he may not be ready for the prime time. So I'm a little bit concerned about him and how they play. Even though I think they'll hang in there a little bit better. I mean, they're going to lose by more than a touch. All right, and that brings us to probably the best game of the week. Well, I don't know about the spread-wise, but Florida at LSU, 7 o'clock, night game at LSU on ESPN, and LSU is minus 13 and a half, Floyd. Jeez, Mm. how can that be? 13 and a half. I mean, LSU is going to win this game. There's no doubt in my mind, but 13 and a half. That's a lot of points. Uh, You have stumped him. This is a toughie. The old man has no idea what to pick. I think... uh, That's not me. That's all Vegas' job that time. I think I'll go with LSU simply because of the quarterback. And even though I think Florida's defense is going to come in there and be a little suspect for them, be a little bit tougher for them. I mean, LSU is just too talented. Plus, it's a night game at LSU. That's so hard to win that a night game at LSU. Tough. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Florida only because I think 13 and a half is too much. But honestly, I told myself when Floyd couldn't figure out who to pick, I wasn't sure who to pick. So I said that I'll take whoever Floyd doesn't take. So that's essentially the reason. I do think LSU will win, but. Against a good defense, 13 and a half is a lot of points. A lot of points. All right, and we will move to the NFL. Some decent NFL games this week. All three of our games will be on CBS. First one, noon kickoff. Texans at the Chiefs. I think the over-under on this is like 55 or something like that. And Kansas City is minus four. Jared. Chiefs. Chiefs. I know they lost last week. But the Chiefs four, I get the Chiefs with four after they lost? Chiefs. Kansas City. I mean, that's not even, that's uh, as hard as the as the one above it was. This one's that easy. Kansas City. <laughs> I, I mean, you could make that like 19 for this. Yeah. All right. And then let's see. Noon also, CBS. The Saints going to Jacksonville, taking on the Jaguars. And the Jaguars are minus two. Jaguars are minus two? Yep. That's some sleeping on I'll Teddy take, right there. I'll take New Orleans. <laughs> I will, too. That is some sleeping on my, my man, Teddy Bridgewater, who I learned on this show at Seattle to not pick against. I'm going Teddy B close to his hometown. He going to light it up and make the Jags regret having never taken Teddy all the chances they had to have Teddy. All right, and then the Titans going to Denver, mile high, taking on the Broncos, 325 kickoff on CBS, and Denver is minus two. Floyd, I'm going to tell you how it is. That's close. Titans are going to Denver, and they are going to (laughs) kick the stuffings out of the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are bad, and the Titans know they got to have it. I think they'll put together a great week of practice, a good game plan, and like the Atlanta game, they will smack the Broncos. I'll go Titans 24, Broncos 13. I think it'll be a big Titans win. I go Titans. I'm going to go Titans, too. I think... uh... I think the Titans are more balanced, and, and hopefully that will will 
play out. I also think that offensive line got embarrassed last year, last week, and I can't believe they're going to allow that to happen again. So I think they're going to come in there with a little, you know, spite. And uh, and Denver is excited because they won last week, and and they're not going to go 0-5, but still going to be, I think they're going to go up there and find a way. That's it for us. More on the Titans Broncos next. Chase and TD, thanks to our friends at Oktoberfest for having us out here. We're out of here. Chase and TD next.